0: May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Welcome back to Dominion Podcast. I'm uh, host number one, Jeremy Boyd. Host number two, Alex Klusterman. We're really happy to be back. This is episode five. And I was just telling Alex before we start, you know, the reason we want to do this is because people really care what alex and i think about stuff i get dozens of emails every day people asking me on all sorts of topics jared we just want to know what you think why don't you tell us what you think
1: there was just a groundswell of anticipation coming up to this so we thought we have a we have a duty to our fellow man that's right that's right so to start with
0: uh we're, we're gonna be talking about truth today that wasn't true by the way no no that's definitely not true uh here's uh, here's my truth for you my uh I'm Jeremy Boyd, your beta host. My preferred pronouns are guy or pal. If you can call me guy or pal, that'd be great. <laughs> anyway, this is a, this. All kidding aside, this is a real important topic, and I'm sure we're all going to see all sorts of stuff going on in the culture right now, mm-hmm. dealing with what is truth, uh, can we know it even, and uh, if so, so what?
1: Yeah, no. This is this is a massive uh, and foundational topic. Uh, one in general, I mean, two of the most foundational questions you can ask anyone can ask for their life is what is true, and how do I know that? And uh, you know, philosophers have sought to answer this question, but not just philosophers. I mean, this is everyone's question. Yeah. This is if you if you live in this world, you want to know what the truth is, mm-hmm. and you need to figure out how do you know that? Who do you, how do you trust? Yeah. Who do you trust? And uh how do you discern that? You know. Uh, the question of Pilate before Jesus Christ in John 18 what is truth is the the question of humanity and so we're always in one sense asking that question it's always important but it feels especially important today because we have wandered so far from the path of seeking uh, what is true um, we're living in well, bizarre days. In 2016, yeah. the Oxford Dictionary uh, said that the, the word of the year, kind of the word that is very influential, um, they said the word of the year is actually two words put together is post-truth. Mm-hmm. That's the Oxford Dictionary. And Abdu Murray writes in his book, Saving Truth, great book. He said, the Oxford Dictionary annually selects a word that captures the culture's current mood and preoccupations. Post-truth does exactly that. According to the Oxford Dictionaries, post-truth means relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotions and personal beliefs. Truth is no longer uh, discerned by, you know, what is objectively true. But it's what I feel is true. It's my yeah. own personal beliefs that are true. And therefore, the way we shape public policy is by appealing to that. Which, I mean, this feels super important. Look at the whole COVID thing. What is the appeal to emotion in this situation? It's fear. Yeah, It's panic and it's not about you know people just go along with things because they are afraid and uh you know when you abandon an objective standard of what is true you just you you are enslaved you know to whatever you fear mm-hmm. or whatever you desire right so we live in a post truth world we're seeing this go even further though because the language that i'm hearing more and more you know, even in uh, television shows or, or movies or podcasts in, in social media, pop culture is my truth. Yeah. And, you know, this is, it's not like this just came about, uh, but my truth is such a, a bizarre phrase. Yeah. And it's a self contradicting phrase. You know, the highest virtue is to speak and live our truth. That is, yeah. whatever's true for me. And the greatest vice is to have your truth silenced mm-hmm. or, or inhibited in any way. Is this really, this really isn't anything new? Though. No, it's I not. Mean,
0: you read the quote from Pilate earlier, and that, that was Pilate's get out of jail free card after yeah. Jesus confronted him on truth. Who you could know? know? He said, everybody that's on the side of truth is with me. Yeah. And Pilate, you know, wasn't on his side and needed to excuse himself. So he came up with that lame excuse. Well, it is truth. Yeah. And then he didn't bother to listen to the answer. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, It wasn't an honest attempt at discerning the truth. It was, it was an appeal. It was getting around it by saying we can't really know. I just, I think
0: with this, uh, issue, I mean, for some of us, it's so blatantly obvious that you can't say truth doesn't exist. Yeah because you just made a you just a made a claim. statement a truth claim like that's just a 5-year-old could figure that out but for some reason <laughs> that's not enough to dissuade people from this and yeah. i think it just takes time for some of these philosophies to really uh to really crumble like i think of empiricism back in the day you know mm-hmm. well we can only believe things that can be empirically proven mm-hmm. okay can that statement be empirically proven yeah right no, but it took a generation for those philosophers to kind of die out
1: yeah right yeah and the reason why this, really what we're talking about is relativism, right? What's true yeah. for you is true. What's true for me is true. It's, it's true for me is true. It's not objective, transcended outside of us. Um, but this is, you know, this is an old play. You mentioned Pilate. And it's not really an intellectual problem. No. Our mind is, is distorted, but it's really, uh, like you said, a problem with authority, And it's a moral problem. It's, I don't want to have to be responsible to and accountable to someone or something. Sounds like Genesis 3. Right. Which the truth, the truth places a burden of responsibility on us. Yeah. But if there is no truth or if there is, but there's no way to know it, we are not responsible. Yeah. And so relativism takes off not because all these undergraduates and pop stars are amazing philosophers or stupid philosophers, but because there's we're sinners yeah, and we just don't want to be under the authority and the accountability of the truth. But I mean, this falls apart super quick. Like if, if my truth is that I'm 34 and your truth is that I'm 37, those both, those things both can't be true. Yeah. Right. So there's an, there's an incoherence to relativism on its face it's it's internally inconsistent and so we can rule it out right away i mean i I remember my professor saying like yeah the way we do with relativism is we burn students papers you know it's like well what you can't really have a problem with that yeah you know because truth (laughs) is relative yeah so like you don't like that fine i do you know you think that's wrong fine i don't yeah no it's it's
0: uh you can't live like that. No, and no one does. And that's why we're seeing such chaos right now is because people are trying to live by a philosophy that makes zero sense. Yeah. Right, when, you, when the God of the culture is uh, schizophrenic,
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you get? Yeah. You know. Well, this is exactly, I have this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, whenever you find a man who says he does not believe in a real right and wrong, we could say truth. You will find the same man going back on this a moment later. He may break his promise to you, but if you try breaking your breaking one to him, he'll be complaining. It's not fair before you can say Jack Robinson. And and relativism just falls apart. Like you said, no one actually lives like their truth isn't true. No. Right? No, um, but I
0: think you made a good point that it's it's an easy Uh, It's an easy way out, right? So the culture is going this way. It's just easy to say, oh, yeah, truth is relative. And then you're absolved from
1: what what you
0: know deep down inside. I know we're going to get to Romans 1 eventually here. But the point is we all know what's true. Yeah. You know, there are no atheists according to the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. The, there are people who claim to be atheists, mm-hmm. but scripture tells us that everybody knows that there is a God. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that that is true. Yeah. And but we suppress that you truth. You suppress it in unrighteousness, yes. right? So you suppress it by doing unrighteous things. Yeah. And what is the result of that? It's a
1: twisted morality.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's, um. Uh, you're given over to a strong delusion,
1: right? Yes. Uh, yeah. But... It we we do it in unrighteousness, which is yeah. the point. It's, we, we're not doing this because there's just intellectual <laughs> confusion. There's intellectual confusion because of unrighteousness. Yeah. Right? It's and a moral problem, like yes, you said. It's a moral problem. So we all that to say we live in strange times and the you know, humans' proclivity towards lies and our resistance to the truth has been a problem since Adam. And we are in a unique time in that we've we've systematized lies. Uh, as being virtuous in the form of post-truth, in the form of my truth. Mm-hmm. And so Christians, I think of a great opportunity to live by the truth, fundamentally uh, Jesus Christ and his word, which is truth. But even in light of the word of God, to tell the truth about everything else yeah. in this world. And uh, yeah. So maybe a definition for truth. Uh, the the one I like A lot of philosophers use is that which corresponds to reality. So the the question is, what is truth in a general sense? Well, that which corresponds to reality. Right. And that's, I suppose, that's deep enough for secular people. It's encompassing. Right. Right. It's it's broad enough. It's encompassing. But as Christians, we believe that all reality is contingent on
0: god and on his character right yeah so we could push it further back and i've got a a dueling uh definition here yeah Uh, truth is that which is consistent with the mind will character glory and being of god yeah so we're pushing it back to the source yeah the
1: fundamental source of reality Hmm. yeah so the second question is um so truth begins with god apart from an objective transcendent source of truth uh, there isn't truth, and there's no way of knowing it, but because there is a God, there is truth, and there is a way of in that God, because that God has revealed himself and giving a, given us the faculties of understanding uh, in creation, even fallen man is capable of comprehending true things about the world uh, Psalm nineteen talks about you know all the heavens declaring the glory of God. Um, that even in Romans 1, we read that man is without excuse because the things that were created uh, bear witness to the reality of God. They're evident. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have the faculties to comprehend truth and the world reveals truth to us, general revelation, natural Mm. revelation. We have the internal witness of our conscience. Uh, We have a faculty within us that says, you know, this is right and wrong, even though that is fallen and distorted through sin. Uh, it's there and then then what we need most is special revelation is god giving us his spirit and working through his word to reveal himself to us Mm -hmm. which we don't which we are blinded to and our hearts are darkened um, apart from that special revelation and this is
0: this is a really important step right that that we all know this truth to, to one degree or another, right? You're talking about conscience. Yeah. Now, our consciences can be seared through yeah. through sin yeah. and unrighteousness, but there's still a knowledge of the truth. And there has to be, or else there's no basis that God could judge us.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: but he, he judges everyone based on our knowledge of the truth and our rejection of it.
1: Our response to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what is truth? That which corresponds to reality. How can we know it? Well, we've been given the faculties to see certain things about the world. And part of what Jesus came to do is to testify to the truth. Mm-hmm. Jesus is himself the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And um, when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, we see the embodiment, the manifestation uh, of the glory of God, of the truth. Mm-hmm. And we have to say that that knowledge of him, of seeing him, of comprehending him, Um, is possible by grace alone through the gospel and through the regenerating work of the spirit. Part of what conversion is, is, is the creation of the capacity to see the truth. Yeah. It's a, it's a change in our disposition.
0: Yes. Whereas before, we could see the truth and we hate it and want to rebel against it. Yes.
1: It's overcoming our unwillingness to see what's there. That's the new
0: heart, the heart of flesh that's sensitive to the things of God. Yeah.
1: Um, So we think the greatest obstacle to the truth is ignorance right, and and then you meet that through education, right. oh, educate yourself, people yeah. say today, right, which basically well, the, means the
0: reason why there's yeah. so many drug addicts is because the school system failed, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, are you sure are you sure yeah. it's not just they like how it feels,
1: yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 and so we would say that, okay, education, you know knowledge uh receiving knowledge is important to knowing the truth, mm-hmm. but there's some knowledge that we. Just won't actually receive, yeah. right? I and mean, that's a moral problem. That's suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Yeah, um, Romans one problem. Yeah, and so what Christ came to do is is not only die on the cross for our sins and rise from the dead, but to give His Spirit and to grant us by virtue of the new covenant the new birth. And the new birth is. Uh, the capacity to comprehend by the Spirit the things of God, as yeah. Paul says, and yeah, apart just from that, real quick just Romans Romans eight uh, yep.
0: verse seven and eight. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Yeah, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It doesn't say the mind that's in the flesh cannot perceive God or uh, see God. It's just saying we can't submit. Yes, right. There's, of course, we know Romans one is before this. And he says, we all have that knowledge. Yeah.
1: Yes. yeah. And I mean, apart from God too, when you think about this, there actually can't be any certainty of what you know, or what you think, you know, apart from revelation from an infallible yeah. omniscient God, there's no certainty of knowledge. There's what you think is true. Mm-hmm. There's what you even may have a high degree of probability is true, but there's not certainty. No, How true could, because you yeah. don't know a thousand things that could change your perspective right. on that observation right and this is the this is the role of science mm-hmm. science it gives it, through the scientific method we have developed a certain method that gives us an opportunity to observe the way the world the way that it is yeah but there's a reason we call them hypothesis mm-hmm. because you can always add more information you can always come across new information new analysis new observation that changes that original hypothesis or or even if it's just a perspective change on it yeah but if you have an all-knowing god who knows everything and he is he tells the truth and he can't be wrong and he can and does reveal the truth to us, Mm -hmm. and we have the capacity by the Spirit to see and to receive that truth, we actually can all of a sudden have certainty. Yeah, but it involves trust. It involves trust, yeah. It involves uh,
0: lowering ourselves in our minds and elevating God, right? Yes. Um, As you are speaking there, I was just thinking, even a perfect human being would still not have certainty. No. Because we're, uh, you know, even without the, the moral failings, there's still uh, finiteness. a... Finiteness. Yeah, there's still a finiteness. You can't have all the facts. You can't have all the no. data. And if you can't have all the data, you, can, you cannot yes. be
1: certain. There are inherent limitations to knowing the truth that are intrinsic to the fact that we are creatures. Yeah. Apart from being fallen creatures. And being fallen creatures introduces a whole other incapacity, mm-hmm. uh, which is the darkness of sin and mm-hmm. the suppression of truth and unrighteousness. Yeah. Do, that's a great do, do point. Do you think a lot of this is just that
0: people don't like the idea that they can't know everything? Is that just, yeah, just I, hubris? Or yeah.
1: Well, I think <laughs> pride. Yeah. The scriptures tell us that we ought to humble ourselves and know the difference between um, the secret things which belong to God mm. and the revealed things which belong to us. So we have a moral duty to know and to pass along to our children but what humanity does in their folly and their arrogance is they suppress what we can and should know and they claim to know what they can't know. Hmm. They claim a comprehensive knowledge. They claim a certainty over matters that they can't and they claim an indifference and uncertainty over issues that they can and should know. Yeah, It's a moral inversion. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there absolutely is an arrogance tied to that and that's why wisdom i mean we could go all night about this but wisdom a big part of wisdom is this is wisdom get wisdom yeah and the the posture of the wise person is inherently acknowledging of their own weaknesses and limitations Mm -hmm. the wise person is the one who keeps asking keeps questioning keeps seeking whereas the fool is like i know i know i know yeah Whereas a fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because your view of yourself is that I am a creature I am fallen I have limitations i don't I'm not God mm-hmm. but that opens you up then to know the truth mm-hmm. but the fool who says I am God I don't need God uh knows nothing yeah yeah
0: <laughs> that's real good um, there's there's an aspect to this we're talking about truth in sort of an An abstract way, right? But Jesus is the truth, and there's a sense where, in order to access the Father, we need to go through Christ, right? Yeah, you need to. uh, What does Jesus say in John eight? Right, Mm -hmm. Um, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free. You have to. You have to go through the truth to get to the Father. Yes. You can't go on your own terms. No. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. You have to. You have to humble yourself. Accept that. Christ is the truth. Yeah, and go through Him.
1: Yes, yeah, and and freedom is comprehensive. And so, in one mm-hmm. sense, we are we're free from the bondage to sin. We're free from the penalty of sin, uh, from its power, from its penalty, uh, and one day from its presence. We'll be set free at the new at the new creation in its full dawning in the kingdom of God. But we're also free to know the truth. Yeah, because. When we come to Jesus Christ in humility, when we come to Jesus Christ in trust and in faith and we receive him for who he says he is, not who we want him to be, not according to my truth about Jesus, but according to what he has said about himself and his word, when we do that and the spirit converts us and regenerates us, well, the spirit has already Revealed that to us, you know, this this has been revealed by my father in heaven, right? When you know Jesus and you see him for who he is, that's God who's done that. When that happens, you are actually free to know and pursue truth everywhere. And before that point, you are totally enslaved Mm -hmm. because there are things that you cannot because you will not receive and you cannot and you will not know. And people think of Christians as narrow-minded, closed to the truth. And we want to say, no, no. Conversion is freedom from lies, mm-hmm. freedom from bias, freedom from the the blinders. And it is a freedom uh, to know and seek and pursue the truth in every sphere of existence. Mm-hmm. And that's why Christians have led the way, you know, uh, throughout history. In 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 the development of technology and medicine, and hospitals and education and government um, and science, government, <laughs> yeah. all of these things, uh, because there's not one square inch, as Kuiper says, right? That's right. Hmm. So why don't we we can kind of break this down? Um, what are the effects of abandoning the truth? You know, to take take this post truth culture where it's not about what's what's objectively true; it's about what I feel. Is true, or or truth is totally relative. My truth, right? So, well let's
0: let's look at it from a Christian perspective first, and then yeah, back out to the the secular. Yeah. So, as followers of Christ, we live under His lordship. Yeah, and we do what He commands. That's the ideal, right? Yeah. We don't always do it. We don't do it perfectly, but that's what we do. Our motivation is to serve Him. If you don't have that, what's your motivation? If there's no if there's no serving christ yeah if there's no truth mm-hmm. what are the only possible things that can motivate people yeah i think it's the pursuit of pleasure and the pursuit of power yeah i think those are the, they're really the only motivating factors
1: yeah and we just see that we just see that playing out yeah you know what, what i said is and relates to this is that apart from objective knowable truth it's just pessimism mm-hmm. and and uh and nihilism there's no meaning And what you resort to when there's no meaning, if there's no bigger story that we can know and understand and make sense of things, uh, then we pursue the path of the most power or pleasure and or both. Or just nihilism,
0: you know, like Sartre and those other guys. Yeah. I I took French immersion growing up, so Mm -hmm. I had to read a lot of existential Right, uh, fiction, yeah, which is really depressing, like Camus and stuff like that. Right, right. You know, <laughs> I didn't even realize how bad it was at the time, but looking back, it's like, oh man, we read a lot of that dark, just hopeless stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the other worldview is unlivable, and yeah. that's why those guys went crazy. Yeah, right. They had nothing to live for because they yeah. were being consistent with their worldview. Yeah. Right now, we're living in a culture that says there's no meaning. Yeah. everything's an accident. Yeah, but let's have fun. Yeah. Well, why?
1: Yeah. And, and that also, that just runs its course real quickly. Right. It's like, it's not like this is going well for us, you know, it's not like this is, it's not as though we've ascended to some utopian vision, you know, it's, it's where we're, we're letting things go. And so I think this is why someone like Jordan Peterson comes along and so many people, especially young men flock to him. It's not just the particulars of what he's saying, as helpful as they are, it's the fact that he thinks there is truth. Yeah. He thinks there is meaning, objective truth, objective meaning. And this is, when you listen to him, you're hearing the particulars, but you're also like, I've never, no one talks like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like who's the guy who stands up and just says, this is the meaning of life. Um, and the thing is Christians, we need to speak the truth because you know, Lord bless him. And and we pray for him, love him. But why are pastors not the ones declaring the truth over every sphere of life? Yeah. Not speaking the truth. And, uh, why, you know, the other thing is, as you mentioned, without objective truth, you don't appeal to principles, right? If there's an objective truth, then you appeal to principles. You form argumentation. You are subject to the laws of, Reason and logic right. uh, there is there are boundaries and limits, etc. but if there's no objective truth, there's no such thing really as principles and then it's just the appeal to power. Yeah. so when we even now when you get in arguments, it's not actually about being right, it's winning. And I would say even more dangerously winning is right. Right. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not winning the argument based on the fact that I am being logically consistent, rationally coherent, um, and pointing at your inconsistencies because that all, that all assumes this objective truth outside of us that we are under and accountable to. Now it's like I can employ other methods of argumentation. I can shame Mm -hmm. you. I can discredit you. I can caricature you. I can, um, catch you. I can do all of these things to win. Yeah, and winning is right. Yeah. So it's no longer the appeal to principle; it's the appeal to power. And this mm-hmm. is this is like a dangerous place. To, that's a dangerous. Yeah. It's place really to live.
0: it's really hard for us to comprehend that that this is how the world thinks. Yeah, but it's true. Hundred um, percent. I'm and I'm sick and tired of seeing. Uh, you know, primarily conservatives and Christians on Twitter and on the internet, bemoaning the fact that the news media and the big tech companies are hypocrites. Yeah, it's like they don't—they don't even try and hide it. Yeah, it's part of their method. Yeah, and they're not ashamed of it. Yeah, and they're not ashamed of it because their worldview says do whatever you have to do to get the power.
2: Yeah, and so, that is
1: right.
0: So <laughs> it's a—it's a, it's a strategic thing, right? Yeah. It's like we're, we're five chess moves behind if yeah. we're sitting here, you know, complaining about the hypocrisy of the world. It's
2: yeah. like,
1: of course, of course yes. they're
0: hypocritical. We need to get past it yeah. and, uh, and just get back to, you know.
1: Well, and, you know. and we need to not play that game. Because right. this is the more discouraging thing is that people try to win at that game. And you're not going to beat people who are good at that game. And what you need to do is just tell the truth. Again, back to Jordan Peterson. This is where he's mm-hmm. such a great example. One night he's just like, "Nope, this bill is totally corrupt and I'm not going to lie to people about things. And he blows up. Um, when we give into the idea that it's about power and not principle, we're like, if, if I tell the truth, I'm going to get in trouble. If I tell the truth, I'll be out. If I tell the truth, it won't work. You are beginning down, you are going down the slippery path to lies yeah. because you have stopped thinking principally and you started thinking pragmatically. And what you need to, we need a thousand men and women who, millions, all of us, every Christian should be the kind of person every single day, like their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who resolve to tell the truth, come what may. Mm-hmm. And part of what the recovery of truth does is we're okay with losing. Losing can be winning, right? Jesus Christ opened his mouth. He lasted three years. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He was falsely condemned. It was a travesty of justice. Um, but that was the pathway to the crown. And yeah. we need to realize like, look, yeah, if we tell the truth in any given situation, we may be ridiculed and shamed. We may lose our jobs. We may. Need, but we have our integrity.
0: Yeah, it took and centuries. You don't but, lose. It took centuries, but where's the Roman Empire? Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so got to take the long view on this, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe we're just going to be telling the truth and getting our heads whacked down like whack a mole for the next generation or two. But that's the way it's got to be.
1: Yeah. yeah, and telling the truth is its own reward. Like it, yeah, yeah. So we need to be people who yeah. tell the truth <laughs> and and don't think about the consequences of that. And that is that is that will have an enormous impact on the world. Beck and I have been talking about this how. Part of the lie of this way of thinking that rejects the truth is that there's only power, and power is the only way to win. And the individual, because they are powerless, is uh, there's no way they can win. Right. But of course, from Jesus Christ, but all throughout history, we see an individual who tells the truth. That is potent in a world that was created by the truth, was created by truthful words as a reflection of the living word. Uh, the truth has power. God saves people through the word of truth, the yeah. gospel. Yeah, and Christians need to stop. Need to declare. How will they believe if they never hear? Mm-hmm. And we need to tell the truth about Jesus Christ, and we need to tell the truth about His world, and to tell the truth about everything.
0: winning's not our responsibility. No, winning is not our responsibility. It's it's God's power that's going to win things,
1: right? Yeah. Right?
0: Um, I just think of Psalm 2 here, verse verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. I see that right now. Yeah. There's there's so much... um, joy in the secular world right now because they think they're winning. Yeah. But they have no idea. Yeah. They have no idea what's coming. Mm-hmm. And neither do we. We don't mm-hmm. know how how God's gonna tear them down, mm-hmm. but it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And he's laughing mm-hmm. all the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and we need to in the meantime, I mean this is to to really land this before we transition to the good section is this is why I don't wear masks in most situations. Now there's times when I will and yeah. I do and I have no problem with that. Um, But the most fundamental reason isn't because it's uncomfortable, isn't because uh, how dare you tell me what to do. I am concerned about people's civil liberties and et cetera. But the most fundamental reason is I can't lie. And back in March, we were told don't wear masks. They don't work. Mm -hmm. And when the public... Health unit came out here with a press release talking about the mask mandate before it was actually a mandate when it was a recommendation. Her words were there is no consensus. Her words, there still isn't. And I read through (laughs) all five studies and we are living in a time where we are being given true information, things that are technically true and profoundly misleading which is a lie. So, like, you know, in the in the riots in the states, there was a supposedly a study done. I think Michelle Obama referenced it, where ninety seven percent of the protests were peaceful. Technically true, but it's a lie in what it's misleading you to believe. So, if you have a house, if you have a street with a hundred houses on it, and an angry band of Ku Klux members goes and and drags out only three of the hundred families to the streets and you know, lights them up and burns their houses kind of thing. Would you report that news story as it was a 90%, 97% peaceful night in in Georgia? Yeah. And if you did that, you would be a liar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's the same things with the masks. It's like, these things are not effective at stopping this. And when you use clouded language to communicate to people with technically saying that, that they are highly effective, when you lead them to believe something that is not true, that is a lie. And I just, there is, this is one thing where I'm like, no, I'm not going to, and there's so many people I know who they're like, you know what, just shut up and wear it. And I'm like, but if you know that this isn't effective and you're actually, if someone else thinks it is and would otherwise stay away if they didn't know that, then you're lying to them and you're, you actually are putting them at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you should not get comfortable with lying. If they wanted to come out and say, look, guys, masks of about a 0.001% chance, it's like covering your arm when you sneeze. We're asking people if they would be willing to do that in certain certain situations, whatever, um, acknowledging it's very limited effectiveness. Yeah. I would be way more inclined to do it. Yep. Um, no, it's like, well, if it doesn't work, why would I do it? But I would have a different problem with it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I feel like this last year, people are conditioning. We are being conditioned to live by lies. Mm-hmm. And that's just not a good thing.
0: Yeah. Well, as we do every week, we're going to wrap up the true section. Now we're going to go on to something good. Now that we're all thoroughly frustrated. <laughs> we shouldn't be though. We shouldn't be frustrated. God wins in the end. He
1: wins. And we have we have seen <laughs> the glory of his son,
0: right? And you know what? We're... Um, We should never be discouraged, right? It should be our joy to tell the truth and be his servants, no matter what situation we find ourselves in.
1: Yeah. And man, like you said, what a joy to know the truth. Yeah. Like on many levels, to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally, not as a philosophical system, but as a person, but actually to have a coherent mind. You know, it's, it's it's a glorious thing so i thought I would read from one of the greatest works of at least western literature i can't say i know any eastern literature
0: it's in the top three for sure
1: yeah and that is from uh the return of the king yeah the other two are the other two books in this trilogy (laughs) yeah fellowship of the ring yeah two towers yeah two towers (laughs) so this is uh this is one of the top three and uh i'm gonna read from The Ride of the Rohirrim.
0: Oh, man, one of my favorite scenes. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. But at the same moment, there was a flash, as if lightning had sprung from the earth beneath the city. For a searing second, it stood dazzling far off in black and white, its topmost tower like a glittering needle. And then, as the darkness closed again, there came rolling over the fields a great boom. Boom. At that sound, the bent shape of the king sprang suddenly erect. Tall and proud, he seemed again, and rising in his stirrups, he cried in a loud voice, more clearly than any there had ever heard a mortal man achieve before. Arise, arise, riders of Théoden. Fell deeds awake, fire and slaughter. Spears shall be shaken, shield be splintered. A sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises. Ride now, ride now, ride to Gondor. With that he seized a great horn from Guthlaf, his banner-bearer, and he blew such a blast upon it that it burst asunder. And straightway all the horns and the host were lifted up in music, and the blowing of the horns of Rohan in that hour was like a storm upon the plain and a thunder in the mountains. Ride now, ride now, ride to Gondor. Suddenly the king cried to Snowmane, and the horse sprang away. Behind him his banner blew in the wind, white horse upon a field of green, but he outpaced it, and after him thundered the knights of his house, and he was ever before them. Aomer rode there, the white horse tail and his helm floating on his speed, his speed and the front of the first Aorid ro- roared like a breaker, foaming to the shore, but Theoden could not be overtaken. Fay he seemed, or the battle fury of his fathers ran like new fire in his veins, and he was borne up on snowmane, like a god of old, even as Arome the Great in the Battle of Valor when the world was young. His golden shield was uncovered, and lo, it shone like an image of the sun, and the grass flamed into green about the white feet of his steed. For morning came morning and wind from the sea and darkness was removed and the hosts of Mordor wailed and terror took them and they fled and died and the hooves of wrath rode over them and then all the hosts of Rohan burst into song and they sang as they slew for the joy of battle was on them and the sound of their singing was that fair and terrible came even to the city
0: Wow I love that the joy of battle was on them (laughs) <laughs> singing and slaying yeah
1: <laughs> it's kind of like the christian life
0: yeah without you know without actually using swords yeah but uh yeah that's what it should feel like
1: nehemiah that's the right. sword and the trowel.
0: that's right well i'm going to read a portion uh for a beautiful section nice of, uh, from uh, a book a little book by roger Scruton called beauty a very short introduction just a quick primer in aesthetics and and beauty great uh it's pretty it's really good i'm just going to read one paragraph here a beautiful face, a beautiful flower, a beautiful melody, a beautiful color. All these are indeed objects of a kind of sensory enjoyment, a relishing of the sight or sound of a thing. But what about a beautiful novel, a beautiful sermon, a beautiful theory in physics, or a beautiful mathematical proof? If we tie the beauty of a novel too closely to the sound of it, then we must consider a novel in, trans- in translation to be a completely different work of art from the same novel in its original tongue. And this is surely to deny what is really interesting in the art of the novel, what, uh, which is the unfolding of a story, the controlled release of information about an imaginary world and the reflections that accompany the plot and reinforce its significance. Anyway, lots of really great stuff in here, just on mm-hmm. things you've never thought about. You're reading it like, I never thought about that mm-hmm. at all. How did mm-hmm. I completely miss that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, that's, uh, well... A little longer than normal, but I think it was worth it this time. So from Alex and I at Dominion Podcast, we will see you next time.